Good morning. It's uh, afternoon now, I guess, depending on uh, the time. Uh, it's good to see you all uh, today. Uh, we're going to be looking at um, Mark's Gospel and chapter and chapter three. Um, in our passage uh, this afternoon, we are going to be thinking of uh, different groups of people. And uh, they all had different opinions about who this man Jesus was, uh, who he is. And I suppose as we look at the passage today, uh, the question is asked for us as well. Who do we think Jesus is? Uh, There was a question that the Lord Jesus asked the Pharisees in Matthew 22. And he said, what do you think about the Christ? What do you think about the Christ? You know, and, the, and, and this, this afternoon, uh, we have that question to answer. What do we think about the Christ? Who do we think Jesus is? Uh, who do we think he is? You know, m- many of us will, most of us maybe will have heard of C.S. Lewis, the author. And he has a, he, he, he popularized a well-known, um, or is well-known now anyway, um, Trilemma, it's called. Um, about what we might think, how we might think about the Lord Jesus. And he says, and he says this, and I'll just want to quote him from his book on mere Christianity. And I'm sure many of us will will, will know this quote, but I'll read it. It says this, uh, C.S. Lewis writes, he says, I'm trying to, to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. That is about the Lord Jesus. Uh, and that is, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a, with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option uh, open to us. He did not intend to. And, and, And here in our passage, as we read it, we're about to read it, we're going to consider different groups of people and what they thought about the Lord Jesus. So let's read in Mark chapter 3 and in verse 7. And God's word says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Udemia and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. 
He appointed the twelve, Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is the son of thunder. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Then he went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying he is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying he is possessed by Beelzebul. And by the prince of demons he cast out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If the kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, the house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside... They sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he said, and he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Different people different groups we begin with the crowds we then have the the disciples uh, we have the scribes and we have uh, the lord's family and different groups respond in a different way the the, the account we read begins by thinking of the the crowd and and we see that the crowd was a great crowd a great crowd. This was a crowd that had grown. Um, it had grown over time. It was not just the, the crowd that, that gathers quickly. You might remember from your school days, maybe when a, when, a, when a fight breaks out, you know, a crowd gathers around very quickly, doesn't it? And people who hear and see and they gather around. This was not that type of crowd. This is a crowd for people who had, who had walked some way. You know, there, there was those who had come from the south, those who had come from the north and the west. And they had come because they had heard about this man, Jesus. Uh, They were interested to see what he would do. Uh, They maybe also brought those who were um, ill and diseased. And they wanted healing. And so we see a great crowd gathering. Such was the crowd that was gathering. We can maybe imagine the, the press and the hysteria maybe even of trying to get close to the Lord Jesus Uh, Such was it that the the Lord tells his disciples to take a boat. And this would be a boat that was on the shore. uh, Maybe a boat that was taken from the shore to get to the main fishing vessel. And and they take this little boat and and the Lord casts... And they they, they go into it and they they just cast it out just a little bit. Just out into the sea in order to, 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 to have some separation from the crowd that were pressing. Maybe it just calmed the crowd down a bit and the Lord there uh, maybe taught them 
and spoke to the crowd who had come. And so there was, there was quite a, a, a you know, the, the, this great crowd was gathered. Uh, there was a great interest in coming to see the Lord Jesus and to, uh, to be able just to get close to him and to touch him. And, and they just wanted healing because they recognized that this man was someone special, was someone different. This man was someone who, who was able to do things that others were not able to do. Not only were, were, were the crowd there that, 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 were, that were wanting healed, but, but we see that there was also those who were possessed by demons, by unclean spirits. They were there as well. Uh, because it says there in verse 11 that when the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him. You know, and, and the unclean spirits were, were watching. And they, weren't, they were, were just like the, the crowds they had maybe heard. And they had heard of what the Lord was, of this man, what Jesus was doing. And they maybe had saw some of it. And, you know, these, these unclean spirits, they're not omniscient, they're not all-knowing. They, they wouldn't have just, it wasn't that the Lord walked by and they, they just recognised him. But they saw what he did and they realised who he was. And so they cried out continually. Every time that, 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 that they saw the Lord Jesus and they got close to him, they would cry out, You are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. Uh, they, they, they fell down and they acknowledged who he was. You know, as believers, when we trust in the Lord Jesus, we become sons of God. We are adopted in to, uh, to become sons. Adopted as sons. But the Lord Jesus, he holds a unique title. And this was a title of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of God. Uh, sometimes when we refer, when we read about the Son, it's really shorthand for the Son of God. And, and it was why Mark was writing, wasn't it? You might remember in Mark 1 verse 1, uh, that Mark writes... His gospel account, he begins it this way, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark wants to um, write and to show the readers, including us, that Jesus Christ, this man Jesus, was not only the anointed one of God, but he was the Son of God. The Son of God. The Son of God, it speaks of two things maybe. It speaks of relationship. When we think of the Son of God, we think of the, the Father. And there is relationship there. The Father and the Son. And so when we read, we often read about the Father and the Son. And so it speaks of relationship. Not only does it speak of relationship, but it speaks of revelation. Yeah, and, so, and so the Son is the revelation of the Father. He is the, 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 the expression of... The, the visible way in which we can see and know the Father. Someone has said this, and I, and I like this. I like this quote: "The Son is the eternal object of the Father's love, and the sole revealer of the Father's character." You get that? I'll read that again. The Son is the eternal object of the Father's love. That means that that the the, the Son has always existed. Uh, in relationship with the Father. And in John 17, it says there, the Lord Jesus prays, Father, he says, for you loved me before the foundation 
of the world. Father and Son in relationship. And not only the eternal object of the Father's love, but also the sole revealer of the Father's character. And so Hebrews 1 speaks of that, doesn't it? That God has spoken to us through his Son, who is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. And so Christ reveals the Father to us. Uh, And the Son reveals the Father. The Son is the way to the Father. You'll remember in John 14 um, that the Lord Jesus says, um, No man comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so in Mark 1, verse 1, we see Mark speaks about the Son of God. We remember that moment of the of the baptism in, in, in the Jordan in verse 11 there. As the Lord has been baptized, the Spirit descends as a dove and a voice comes from heaven. You are my beloved Son. And you, you might remember, you might know, but we haven't come to it in our studies yet. But Lord willing, we will in, in Mark 15. And in verse 39, you remember there, uh, not at the start of the ministry of the Lord like his baptism, but at the end there on the cross... Uh, when the Lord had cried out, it is finished. Yeah, he cried out with a loud voice. He, he gave up his spirit. And in verse 39 there of Mark 15, it says, When the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed out his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. The Son of God. And so these unclean spirits, they recognized who Jesus was. Yeah, they said... Uh, They said, you are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. But, you know, to recognize that Jesus is the Son of God is not enough. It is not enough. You know, the the, the unclean spirits, they recognized who he was. Uh, We'll come to see that the scribes, they refused to recognize who he was. But, But these unclean spirits, they, they recognized, but, but they were still unclean they were still evil they were still fallen you see for us it is not good enough to just recognize who he is we need to recognize who he is and respond appropriately respond appropriately we need to repent of our sins and as act 16 says we sing it with the, with the children believe on the lord jesus christ and you will be saved there needs to be an act a step a a a, a place in our faith And our belief in who Jesus is. Trusting in what he has done. And we'll think about that a bit more. And so the Lord Jesus, he says to these unclean spirits in verse 12, he strictly ordered them not to make this known. Not to make him known. You see, the Lord Jesus wasn't ready to be recognized as the Son of God for all to see. The Lord Jesus first had a purpose. He had to first go to the cross. And we see this on uh, uh, more than one occasion where the Lord is not wanting uh, the crowds to realize exactly who he is uh, and to take him because they would want to make him king. And that's what they wanted to do. They wanted, when they recognized who he was and when the crowd kind of uh, emotions got caught up, they, they wanted to go and to make him king. But he first came to do something else. There is a time coming when he will be recognized for who he is. But this first time, as the Lord came in his first advent, he came with a purpose. And that was to go to the cross. 
He came with a purpose to die for sin and to die on the cross. But as Philippians 2 tells us, there is a day coming that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Uh, Things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. All will recognize who he is and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so the crowd, they... Uh, so, so the unclean spirits, they recognised who this man was, the Son of God, the Son of God. But then the Lord Jesus, he's now not by the sea, he now moves in verse 13 to, to the mountain. He moves to the mountain and he calls to him, out of the crowd, he calls to him those who would be his followers. And out of that group that came to him there on the mountain, he appointed of that group twelve. Twelve who he would then name apostles, um, and and he calls them out. And that's what we were singing about earlier, those twelve disciples. And in verse 14 we see the reason why he called them. So that they might be with him and that he might send them. Yeah, do you see that? I think that's a nice illustration of what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. That they might be, one, with him, and two, that he might send them. And the first one, it speaks of communion. Yeah, to be with the Lord Jesus. And and disciples, you know, we were thinking this morning of, of marks of, of a disciple. And, and, and a mark of the disciple is one who, who wants to know and to follow the Lord Jesus. And so that's going to affect how we live our lives. It's going to mean that we want to read his word. We want to read God's word that we might understand what God has to say to us. It's going to affect our lives by the fact that we want to meet together with, with fellow believers. And to listen to God's word being taught. To encourage one another. To sing praises to him. To pray together. That we might be with him. But not only that, it's not that, that our, our Christian life is, 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 is to be lived out in some monastery. You know, some, some tower, some mountaintop place where we have no interaction with, with anyone else. But we see here that, that they were to be sent. They were to be sent. These twelve were to be sent out to preach. And they were sent out with the authority to cast out demons as proof of the fact that the Lord has sent them. The power that was behind the message that they preached. And likewise we are called not to, as I said, to just gain head knowledge. Or even just to um, become closer with the Lord and live holy lives. But, but we are called to act out our Christian faith. And that's going to affect how we live. You know that we might share the gospel. We have a great privilege And a great responsibility to share the gospel with those who we know. Whether it's our family, our friends, our work colleagues, uh, those who we study with. That we have an opportunity, a responsibility to share the gospel. To share the good news of the Lord Jesus. And we have a responsibility to show love to one another. And so our faith must be acted out. And so the Lord Jesus, he called these twelve to be with him. And... That he might send them. And so the twelve they were to be ambassadors for the Lord. And then we move on. We're going to we move again in our, in our location. Uh, in verse 20. 
Uh, it says, then he went home. Then he went home. So we've been at the sea. Uh, we've been up in the mountain. The Lord has prayed. He has called his 12 disciples. He has preached. Uh, we, 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 we know from, other, from the other gospel accounts. And then he goes back home. He now goes back to the village. And we'll see, we're going to miss out verse 21. We'll cover that um, after, when we uh, in verse 31 to the end. Uh, we'll think about his family. But we see there that he goes to home and the crowds have gathered again. Yeah, the crowds have heard that he's now not up in the mountain. That was too far, too far to go and maybe some unwilling. But now that he's back in the village, he's back in, in the town and, and the people are gathering again. Uh, and, and so much so that he couldn't even eat. You can imagine the, the commotion that is going on. The crowds that have gathered to see the Lord Jesus. And it wasn't just the normal population. But the scribes, they come down from Jerusalem. And, and they were saying, and it was maybe well known that, that they were saying this. That he was possessed by Beelzebub. By Beelzebul, by Satan himself, by the prince of demons, he casts out demons, uh, they said. You know, the, 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 the crowds had heard and had seen, the scribes, the religious leaders, they, they had heard and they had maybe seen. And they think that this is not the son of God. But they accuse and they think that the power that the Lord Jesus is doing, all of, all of these miracles, everything that he is doing, they think it's by the power of Satan himself. He was a, Satan, the deceiver, the father of lies. And they said, this man, he's just out to deceive the people. He's just out to deceive. And so the Lord Jesus, he, he speaks to them. He called them. You know, I don't think they were saying this to the Lord Jesus' face. But they, this is just what they were saying. They were maybe telling the people, Oh, don't follow this man. This is what he does. He just casts out demons by the power of Satan. And so the Lord Jesus, he sees them. And he calls them. And he says to them, he speaks to them in parables. Now we're about to come on to a section of parables in next week, Lord willing, in chapter 4. This is the first of the parables here um, in our passage uh, of, of, in the Gospel of Mark. And a parable, a parable is a story that the Lord told. A story um, which, had, uh, which, which, which compelled the, the hearer uh, to make a, a personal decision uh, about God or about their lives. Yeah, it was it was a picture, uh, a story, uh, but it was it demanded a response. Yeah, and so much so that, that there were those who who wanted after the Lord Jesus told certain parables to to take him and to kill him. You know, they, these parables were not just nice little stories and proverbs, but they were being told that we might respond. Someone has said that a parable is first a picture. That is that it's you know an illustration, and then it's a mirror. You know we look at the parable and we see ourselves and we have to think about ourselves in response to the parable. Uh, it's a picture and a mirror, but then it's a window, and it's a window into uh, God's character and who God is. And we're going to see that next week, Lord willing. And so we have this 
the Lord Jesus, he speaks in parables. He first speaks about a kingdom, and then he speaks about a house, and then he speaks about Satan himself. And and the point is, uh, the Lord Jesus says, how can Satan cast out Satan? You know, they were accusing the Lord Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Satan, the prince of demons. And the Lord Jesus kind of spoke of the, the folly of the argument. You know, of how, how a kingdom that is divided against itself cannot stand. Yet if Satan is against himself, how can his kingdom stand? He tells the parable of a strong man. A big, mighty, strong man. And he says there in verse 27, No one can enter a strong man's house... And plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then he indeed may plunder the house. You know, the Lord Jesus is saying here that no, you know, if I was, if the Lord was to to um, to cast out demons, he would first need to bind up the one who is in control of the demons, and that's Satan. So how on earth can he, if he is control of Satan, how can he be casting out? Demons in the power of Satan. The argument doesn't make sense. The argument doesn't make sense. You know, the scribes were 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 saying that the work of the Lord Jesus was the work of Satan. They refused to believe that it was the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, the evidence was there. Even the unclean spirits themselves recognized who this man was, the Son of God. You know, sometimes it can be like that with us. We can refuse to believe the evidence of what Scripture is showing us. Refusing to believe who Jesus is. Maybe it's because we don't want to, we don't want to face the consequences of, of acknowledging who Christ is. Yeah, we maybe don't want to face the consequences, the things that we'll, we'll have to give up, or the, the, the way our lives must change, the demands that are placed on us when we take the name of Christ for ourselves. And that was the scribes. They had their way of life. They were happy with how they lived. And they didn't want to change. They didn't want to submit. They refused to believe the evidence. Christ, he changes his tone here, verse 28. Now he moves from, from this kind of um, uh, reasoning uh, now to, to this um, warning uh, to, to the scribes. And he gives this warning that is sometimes called the, the unpardonable sin, unforgivable sin. I just want to touch on it. Um, we won't spend much time on it before we move on to the final section. But here we, we see that the Lord Jesus warns them and he says in verse 28 and, and note that how the Lord begins this because I think this is important not to lose uh, the thrust of this. Truly I say to you all sins will be forgiven. All sins will be forgiven. That's the, that's the starting point. Yeah. Don't forget that. When we come to a verse like this and we're maybe we'd like to understand what this verse means and it's a difficult verse. Uh, to, to sometimes to get our head around. It begins, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, and whatsoever blasphemies they utter. Yeah, and, and, and so we, 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 we are confronted here by a God who is a forgiving God. 
Yeah, a long-suffering God, a God who is is full of mercy and grace. That is the God that that we, that we come before. That is the God that we can come in repentance of our sins. Uh, a God who is willing to forgive. A God who is willing to forgive. We have a good God. He is willing to forgive. But the, we then come on to the second part. And it says there in verse 29, But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Uh, and, and so there are maybe different opinions on this. Uh, what this really means, whether we can, um, whether we can do this sin that, that, that is unforgivable. <coughs> but I would say just to begin with that, that if we are coming in repentance to God... He is willing and able to forgive us uh, because of the work of Christ. Because of the work of Christ. Some think this means really just the, the ultimate rejection of the Lord Jesus. And that really is the, 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 the sin that will not be forgiven when we reject Christ. When we refuse to accept who he is and to submit to him as Lord uh, and to, to repent of our sins... You know, that is a sin that, that, uh, that, that is going to be uh, judged. And we are reminded elsewhere in the Bible that the wages of sin is death. And, and, and the Bible brings before us that there is punishment for sin. And there is punishment for those who refuse to accept Christ for who he is. And who refuse to um, believe on his name. Uh, and we must face the consequences of our sin if we do not have forgiveness. Some think as well that maybe this verse is, is, is really not, not necessarily for us, that, that, we, that we could commit this. This was attributing what Christ was doing uh, in his uh, proving, to, the, the, proving to, to those who watched who he was. And they refused to believe it. They attributed the work of the Spirit to Satan himself. And, and that is the... The, 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 the guilt that is an eternal sin. They said that he had an unclean spirit. But finally, I know our time's gone, finally on the family, the final group. You know, if, if, if the scribes called the Lord uh, a liar, uh, here his family, they say he is out of his mind. In verse 21, it says, When his family heard it, they went out to seize him. For they were saying, He is out of his mind. And verse 31, And his mother and his brothers came, and, and they called him. And, and the, the, the crowd, those who were there sitting with him, said, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And the Lord Jesus responds in verse 33, Who are my mother and my brothers? You know, this might seem a bit harsh. It might seem... A bit of a cold response. But the Lord Jesus here is making a point. Uh, he is making a point that those who are his are those who do the will of God. Those who are in uh, not the, 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 uh, the earthly family but the spiritual family, the family of God. And you know as disciples, we thought of the disciples there on the mountain being called... You know, the disciples, those who were true followers of him, uh, they have been born into God's family. God's family. 
Yeah, John 3 kind of speaks to that, doesn't it? That a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is born into God's family. It says in John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to, to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. To become a disciple of the Lord Jesus is to become born again, to receive new life, and to be born into God's family. Not only that, but be, to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus uh, is to reflect the character of God, for we are his children. Yeah, Second Peter speaks of that, that, that we might be partakers of a divine nature. And so when we become a Christian, we not only receive new life, but we then start to display the new life. We display a character of which is, which is God's character. And we become Christ-like because we are part of God's family. We, we imitate our Father. But then, not only are we born into God's family and we reflect the character of God, but being a disciple of the Lord Jesus means that we put God's will above everything else. Remember in Luke 14, maybe, you remember when, when the Lord, he, he, he speaks of, of those who, who are his disciples and in, in, in comparison to, to following him, it would look like you hate everything else. He would say there, and there was great multitudes with him, and he turned and said to them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother, and wife and children, and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You know, to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus, it's not about crowding around him and, and, and wanting what you can get from him. It's not about trying to just get the healing as these people wanted. They just wanted to touch his, him, his, you know, his cloak to, to get some, to get healing, to get relief. But to be a disciple is to receive new life. It is to follow him. It is to give, uh, to 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 give up all for the sake of Christ. To to own him as Lord. To to have him as the most important thing. It is to do the will of God. He says, for those who do the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. You know, what do you think of Christ was how we started our time. Uh, and there's a well-known uh, hymn, we don't really sing it. It's often quoted by John Newton. Uh, and I want to just leave us with this challenge. I want you to consider where we individually stand before the Lord. You know, there was a crowd. There was crowds that followed the Lord, and yet He called to Him to the mountain those whom He desired, and they came to Him. You know, sometimes the crowd can look like it's good. The crowd can look like they're they're focused on the right thing, but we need to make sure that individually we are uh, we have recognized and responded. To the Lord Jesus for who he is and for what he has done. The hymn says this. What think ye of Christ is the test. To try both your state and your scheme. You cannot be right in the rest. Unless you think rightly of him. The second verse says. Some take him as a creature to be a man or an angel at most. Sure these have not feelings like me. Nor know themselves wretched and lost. So guilty so helpless am I. I durst not confide in his blood, nor on his protection rely, unless I were sure he is God. Some call him a 
call him a saviour in word, but mix their own works with their plan, and hope he his help will afford when they have done all that they can. If sayings prove rather too light, a little they own they may fail. They purpose to make up full weight by casting his name in the scale. And he ends, if asked what of Jesus I think, although my best thoughts are but poor, I say he's my meat and my drink, my life and my strength and my store, my shepherd, my husband, my friend, my saviour from sin and from thrall, my hope from beginning to end, my portion, my Lord and my all. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we give you thanks today for time spent around your word. We give you thanks that we have opportunity to come to you to receive forgiveness because you are a loving God who have provided a way of salvation through your Son and through his death. And Father, we pray that we may all be able to rejoice and joy in the salvation which you have to offer. Father, we pray that you might speak to us today and bless us as we go in your Son's precious name. Amen.